lot of folks kind of go through the educational process and they think, you know, by the time I'm done with this or by the time I get my degree or by the time I take that next step after graduation, I will have it all figured out. And the truth is that's generally not the path. Generally, the path is you've got to kind of touch different things and, you know, to have different exposure to different concepts and professional aspects to really understand what your passion is. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi. I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Future of Work podcast. I am your host, Dr. Salvatrice Kumo. Today, we'll be discussing and defining sustainable infrastructure and the major role it plays in all industry sectors. With that being said, we are excited to welcome Dennis Rodriguez, Director of Business Development, Western U.S. Design Build, Governments and Environment for the Black and Veatch Corporation. Dennis has a deep background in economic development public affairs, and business development. He is passionate about driving thought leadership and innovation into the state and local public sector market spaces with a focus on problem solving and relationship development. Thank you for joining us, Dennis. That's a big charge. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's a mouthful. It sure is. Yeah, happy to be here and thank you for the invitation. This is exciting and I think, uh, you know, I'm interested to Kind of have this chat and just go through the conversation about workforce development. We're doing exciting things at Black and Beach and just happy to chat deeper. Excellent. There's a lot yeah. to unpack here, but I wanted to really start with, and just so you know, it's an opening question that I pose to all of my guests because it's important to me and I'm just curious and I know that our listeners are curious, but if you could tell us a little bit about your career journey and really what led you to Black and Beach Corporation. Yeah, it's a great question. I think I don't have a typical kind of career journey. I think when you think about careers and, you you know, especially with an engineering company, you kind of think that most folks are kind of on a path direct to some future kind of engineering opportunity. And I think with me, I just jumped and kind of zigged and zagged throughout my career. And it's it's been interesting to kind of look back and reflect on it. But essentially, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles and Ended up at Cal State Northridge University, where I got a degree in creative writing, which has nothing to do with engineering, but uh, is always a 
good fundamental kind of background. I think communicating and writing things effectively is a key piece of being a professional in a future sense. And so I think, you know, for me, that's important to just ensure that was my foundation. From there, I went on to law school at the University of Notre Dame, which also has not much to do with engineering in terms of traditional paths and that sort of thing. So ended up in law school, graduated, and my first position outside of law school was basically working for the Los Angeles City Council. So I worked for an elected official, a gentleman named Bernard Parks, and I spent the better part of a decade with his office and started at an entry position, ended up as an economic development deputy for him, which is kind of his right-hand person for major projects and major policies. Mm-hmm. From there, I left his office and jumped into the private sector, <clears throat> which is kind of the leap into the path that I kind of took it to this current position. Ended up with a company called Siemens, which is a global powerhouse in terms of product engineering. I think at one point they had close to 400,000 employees on the roster. So just a massive company, multinational. And so what I did with that company is I did business development. And I basically learned the company and then developed business back with major cities throughout the West Coast. So that was my charge with them. And essentially I did that for about 10 years. Following that position, I kind of found my way to Black and Beach and currently doing business development for them in relation to their design build group, which is a different way that government kind of goes to procure opportunities in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so I've been with this company for about two years and just having a great time. We're, you know, looking at a bunch of interesting projects with just important infrastructure implications and that sort of thing. So yeah, not a traditional path, not a straightforward path uh, <laughs> okay. of zig and zag throughout the process. And it's been a journey, but it isn't anything I would replace. I've thoroughly enjoyed the process. For sure. So. I think the majority of us experience that, right? Like we go in with one mindset and then we grow and we have experiences and opportunities are brought forth to us. And we understand that our skills and our talents can be leverage in other sectors and other corporations and companies and things like that. And so, I mean, that's my favorite question to ask, by the way, because for me, it helps understand who you are, right? But it also helps me understand even some of the approaches that we take in problem solving, in developing new programs, in building partnerships. It tells me a lot about the approach. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. And, you know, today's topic is really about sustainable infrastructure. So we'll live there Mm -hmm. for a minute in this conversation. (laughs) And you mentioned it in your intro about sustainable infrastructure. And that kind of is a universal theme or thread, I think, throughout your entire career. Like you kind of touched it, touched on it here and there. But now with the emphasis here with Black and Beach, just really kind of tell me a little bit about sustainable infrastructure and why you personally think it's so important for our future needs. You know, when you think about infrastructure, we have it in different, you know, various parts of our communities and our cities and our states and all these different components. It used to be built in a traditional fashion. So if you built a bridge, it was a bridge. If you build a pipeline, it's a pipeline. I think the way we're looking at things these days is how do we make these static, traditional pieces of infrastructure smarter, more capable of transmitting data and information, more capable of understanding what kind of, you know, what kind of status they're in. So if it's something that's deteriorating, if it's, you know, something that's got a long shelf life, that's all used for information for people who are, you know, looking at maintaining this and operating these pieces of infrastructure. So 
I think infrastructure, you know, really has grown into that kind of capacity over time. And it's exciting. You know, if you think about like a pipeline, like I mentioned, you can build a pipeline, you can kind of <clears throat> take parts of the earth and kind of put the pipeline in place. But these days we're attaching sensors and we're attaching data transmission and we're attaching things that would feed back to some kind of central location to, you know, like I said, identify what issues might be taking place if there's some kind of leak detection that needs to you know, be understood. And so that's all, you know, just critical parts of the process to make sure that our infrastructure stays in place, you know, for long term infrastructure. Also, you know, in today's, you know, concept, when you solve for it or you plan for something, you've got to look at future challenges and it's impossible to future proof. But I think in as much as we can plan to future proof, I think that's the way we should be looking at infrastructure. To me, that goes into, you know, making something sustainable for a long term. So tell me a little bit more about that. What exactly are we looking for when you say we're looking at it to be more future proof? If you could give me an example, that'd be great. Yeah, the amount of investment and the amount of initial inertia that needs to take place to develop a piece of infrastructure. You look at the California high-speed train, for example, mm. this, the amount of inertia that uh, in political momentum that kind of goes into making that come to fruition, it's massive. And so in as much as we can think about what that system looks like in 20 years, in 50 years, in 100 years, and it's still delivering what it needs to deliver to the folks that are using it in that time span, that's kind of future-proofing. So we want to make sure the infrastructure is in place, it's useful, and it's serving a purpose long-term. You know, that's at the you know top of the list in terms of infrastructure, making sure it's a long-term commitment. It's important that you mentioned like our traditional mindset about what infrastructure is or what it was and what it actually really is now. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate you saying that that is so much more than what we traditionally think infrastructure to look like. Right. But infrastructure now and what I'm hearing is that it's not exactly like a tangible thing, you know, where you can see it live. It's around everything that you mentioned, right? The technology behind infrastructure design, specifically sustainable mm -hmm. infrastructure design. And so what led me to think is, first of all, I didn't realize that Black & Beak was a hundred-year-old company. When we were starting to do a little bit of research about the company, I genuinely didn't know that. And so I was hugely surprised mm -hmm. in a good way because we don't see companies last that long anymore. And there's a reason why they are. And it's because of what you just said, right? Like thinking about future, thinking about innovation, thinking about, you know, how is this going to sustain us in the long run? So I'm wondering if you can, if you can share how the company is investing um, in, you know, cutting edge innovation um, that's essential like, you know, could you share how really Black & Veek has been able to become a 100-year-old company? And what is the secret sauce to that, you think? To take the roof off of the company and kind of dig into it, I think is, uh, is very interesting. One of the things that fascinated me about joining this company a few years back is the fact that it's a 100% employee-owned company. Okay. I've been a part of different career paths and I work for municipal government, which was, you know, massive. I worked for Siemens, which was massive. But this is the first time working for a company that I, you know, had an ownership stake in. And so I think that, you know, essentially does drive a lot of our innovation and kind of approach to the marketplace. Because at the end of the day, we want to turn this company over to the next generation of professionals. 
you know, that's a huge thing that we focus on within the company. We want to be good stewards and make sure this continues forward. So not just making this a 100-year-old company, but making this a 150-year-old company and a 200-year-old company in the future. But if you think about that from a market approach, we're on the forefront of looking at sustainable infrastructure, infrastructure in general. We focus on power infrastructure, water infrastructure, telecommunication infrastructure. Those are our kind of three main buckets. And so as we dig into the marketplace, it's just critical that we're at the forefront of, you know, the leading innovations that our clients are looking for. We're digging into, you know, training components and, you know, workforce development, which I think we'll, you know, talk about here momentarily to really identify what the trends in the market are looking at, you know, what kind of things are helping us to future-proof our design and construction of these components of infrastructure. I mean, all that is critical. And we do a lot of self-evaluation, as I think any successful company should do. So the self-evaluation is is a key piece of it. We're always kind of going through a review process to make sure if we're taking a leading edge into something into the marketplace, is that the right leading edge? Or is that, you know, something that we think was an asset, you know, to the market and to our clients? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think those are all kind of critical approaches to making sure we're at the forefront of that stuff. And you know, I say all that, and it's also important to mention that as an owner in the company, these are the things that I think through at night to kind of make sure that I'm taking the right steps for my own decisions to go through the process to make sure the company's in good shape. I think there's a lot to be said about companies that are owned and operated by the employees. Yeah. Just hearing you now explain that, right? Explain how this 100-year-old company still continues to be on the cutting edge and is wanting and has a desire to live longer, I should say, or be in business longer, there's a lot to be said because you have a vested interest in the success and the vitality of the company. Absolutely. That's really, really telling. Well, along that same thread of the company being on the cutting edge of innovation as it relates to sustainable infrastructure, we've already underscored that it's evolving. We've underscored that there's many variables to sustainable infrastructure And there's also other ways of design thinking around Mm -hmm. it. Could you share a little bit about how the company is keeping ahead on training the new, the existing workforce for this evolving infrastructure design, right? As we think about it for the future, how is the company investing in training and the future needs of our workforce? So there's a few different components to this, I think. You can look at stuff that, that we do in-house. You can also look at external kind of training mechanisms. In-house, we have a program called our EDGE program, which is basically a rotational program for young professionals. And I think, you know, a lot of good, you know, top-level companies kind of employ things of this nature. So you take a young professional, maybe a year or two out of college, they can jump into a program like this and really touch base with different parts of the company. So they're kind of doing a nine to 18 month stint in different sections of the company, different departments. They're looking at a whole variety of different concepts. You know, they could look at a power plant construction and uh, design at some point. They could look at an advanced water treatment plant uh, at some point. They could look at some telecommunications or electric vehicle charging infrastructure projects. So the goal is to kind of give them exposure to different parts and at the end of the day, just identify if they have a passion for one particular focus. I think for any young person kind of coming out of college, that's the key ingredient to this whole thing. That's part of the secret sauce. 
because what you want to do in your career is, is find something that is of keen interest to you. And if it is and you're passionate about it, you're going to, you know, stay up after work thinking about it and doing research. You're going to work with professionals who, you know, kind of share a similar passion. You're going to educate yourself on the things that you would get exposure to in, in terms of that kind of focus point. So that's a key piece of all this is just to make sure mm-hmm. you've got that, you know, passionate thing you're, you're digging into. We also do a lot of in-house training. We have a bunch of great programs with Black and Beach that, you know, keep us on the path in terms of keeping up with professional credits and that sort of thing. We also look at external kind of training impacts. And, you know, those are professional organizations that dig into things that we're passionate about in our particular field. For myself on the water design build side, there's a design build Institute of America. That's one organization we dig into. And you go to these meetings and you kind of talk to the professionals, you talk to the experts in the field and create that network and expand your knowledge base and expand your network. So I think when you kind of wrap that all into a package, that's how you make sure the workforce is moving in the right direction and keeping up with what's shaping up. And also, you know, quite frankly, a lot of that is thought leadership. So as a part of all these aspects, we want to introduce and be thinking through how we're bringing thought leadership to these conversations. And so that's kind of key thing we have our focus on. The EDGE program is an internal program. Is it in partnership with any other organization or is it? It's 100% internal. It's, it's basically an internal rotational program. We do partner with other organizations and, you know, we can talk about that also. We, you know, partner with educational locations as well. But just for the edge purposes, it's, you know, some people have a very direct path. That wasn't, you know, my career, but, and that's fine. I think if you've always focused on electrical engineering and that's the path you want to head down, I mean, that's one aspect to kind of get to your passion. If you're not quite sure when you get out of college and you join a company like Black & Beach, you can, you know, sign up for it and just kind of make sure you get exposure to different things to see what might be a passion point. And that's the exciting part of it. Yeah. When I think about just our partnerships that we have with industry professionals or industry partners, companies, organizations, et cetera, one of the elements that we lean on industry for is what exactly do you need from us Mm -hmm. in order to prepare the next engineer, the next architect, the next, you know, fill in the blank, right? And so I'm wondering if there's an example that you can share or not, or maybe you haven't explored it just yet of what might a program look like where we're preparing the next generation or the next workforce, Mm -hmm. right? The next talent cohort, I'm going to call them that, you know, is there a way or has there been a thought around how do we build stronger partnerships with academia so that the dollars that are being invested are equally distributed, right? So, I mean, to run an in-house program costs a ton of money. I know that. We know that. We know that. We also know that there's incredible return on that investment, right? There really is. But I'm wondering if there's a way for like academia to kind of supplement that so that we are properly training that next generation, that next workforce, and it supports the passion that Black & Veatch has on upskilling, on training, on, you know, helping the workforce find their passions in this space? I think there's a natural nexus between academia and a company like Black and & Veatch. And in fact, our company's headquartered in Kansas City. There's two Kansas cities, um, which I discovered when I joined the company. But 
<laughs> you know, at the end of the day, we've partnered with the University of Kansas. That's obviously a very close contact point for us within the company. We put together programs and they kind of focus on project management. They focus on construction management. They, you know, focus on different aspects of things we would need to keep our workforce trained at a high level and kind of supplementing, you know, what we're seeing from a real life world example with academic support and kind of credential support and that sort of thing. So, you know, that's just one example. I think to me, I think academia has to, you know, have these conversations with companies like ours to identify, you know, what things are these companies focused on? You know, what are the core competencies of your company? For Black and Beach, it's design engineering, uh, construction. We also have a ton of administrative needs in terms of throughout the company. I was talking to my boss last night and, you know, we were talking about, you know, the construction management aspect. Um, Once we design a project and we start to construct the project, you've got a huge, you know, workforce that comes out to kind of manage that construction process. And you're talking about early work packages to secure supplies and materials, talking about supply chain issues. You're talking about all these things that we look at from a global trending perspective that we need to have focused professionals in-house to make sure we're managing it correctly, you know, so that the project stays on track and, you know, stays on budget. So just making sure we're talking and making sure you guys are focused in on what companies do. So, you know, if there is that investment, you know, from your perspective, you can make sure it's something that you'll think there'll be a benefit for long-term. I think for us, the most effective programs that we've seen for both industry and ourselves is ones that are formalized in some capacity. And there's, there's an agreement. Everyone knows their roles and responsibilities. Everyone knows the investment of dollars that are being made. Those are the ones that are successful, but they're also the ones that require a ton of attention, not just in resources, but in Mm -hmm. human capital that sometimes we find ourselves, you know, spread super thin, you know, our teams are starting to spread super thin because I'm just thinking about even our Mm -hmm. conversation to be held at the conference that the future of work conference coming up on October 26th is the need for and the state's direction on more apprenticeships and focusing the resources and the dollars around apprenticeship mm-hmm. programming. I'm just kind of plant that seed because I think at a later time, like I'd really would want to explore that with you on how could an institution like ourselves or any institution formalize that with the company like Black and Beach. And it sounds like it's project-based. So maybe maybe that's the approach. Maybe that's the mm-hmm. pilot. That's the model. I'd love to explore that with you at some point. You know, Salvatrice, I think having grown up in politics or worked at City Hall for a long time, I think one of the things I always think through is you need to have a political champion to kind of get this uplifted and off the ground. I don't think that's any different here. I think on the academic side, you need a champion. On the business side, you need a champion. And those folks need to come together and talk and talk about what the needs are, what the support looks like, and how to formalize that process. I mean, I think... You know, to me, that's kind of the basic mechanisms to putting something like this in place. And it's not easy. I think that takes time and it takes a lot of conversation. And I think, you know, that's a heavy lift. And so it doesn't always have to be obvious and apparent on the outset. But at some point in that conversation, that nexus and that connection and that cross benefit for each group has to kind of get flushed out. And, you know, it starts with this. It starts with these conversations. It starts with us getting to know each other and kind of 
making sure that we're part of the arena you guys are looking at and you know from our perspective to identify if there's you know something of benefit for us to kind of dig into with you all so i think you know yeah this is the starting point right great yeah. thank you i'm going to shift gears just a little bit i want to ask the question about aspiring professionals in this space of sustainable infrastructure our listener, our professional students, faculty, you know, so we have a real nice, diverse group of listeners. And I always like to ask the question about, you know, what advice would you give to our student who's an aspiring professional in this space? Just any nuggets of information that you can provide. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so much advice to kind of take through. <laughs> I, how do we narrow it down? Yeah. I like to think of myself as a young man, but the truth is, you know, I've been doing this for close to 25 years and I think I touched on it earlier, finding your passion. I think that's a key piece of it. And to find your passion, you've got to touch different things. You've got to touch different groups. You've got to network. You've got to push things to failure. Sometimes you've got to fail uh, in your professional career, mm-hmm. but when you fail, it's a learning process and it's, you're kind of falling forward as you go through that process. But, you know, a lot of folks struggle with just connecting with folks. I think finding professional organizations and, you know, people that you can connect with to go through this process and, you know, stay curious. I think being curious is a key part of all this. You've got to go into it with the mindset of I'm trying to learn something. I don't have to learn it in this exact moment. But if I keep at it and it's something I'm interested in over time, I'm going to really be able to master this part of what I'm focused on. And I think, you know, for me, I joined the city council when I was 23, 24 years old. And immediately I fell in love with the infrastructure work that the city of Los Angeles was, was developing. If it was a train set, if it was a traffic sign, if it was, you know, a variety of different components, I just, I thought working on stuff that improved people's quality of life was something that gave me satisfaction. You know, I think finding that as a young professional, it you know may not be obviously an apparent, you know, from the jump, but if you can find that over time, I think you're going to have a long and fruitful career because once you dig into that, I think you can base your whole career based on that passion. And that's, that's what I've done with infrastructure. Every career point I've had has touched infrastructure in some way, shape or form. I continue to be fascinated by it. And I think with, I put my learning cap on on a daily basis. I never want to think there's something I can't pick up or something that I can't learn today. And so I kind of go through the day with that mindset. So, Well, speaking of curiosity, you know, because curiosity does lead to new discoveries. And we do have the Future of Work Conference coming up on October 26th. What could we look forward to be curious about in your conversations and your thoughts and just some highlights? Like what can we look forward to hearing from you at the conference? You know, Saldris, I think it's a little bit of a combination of what I've mentioned so far. I think staying curious, I think finding your passion is really something I'd like to, you know, leave behind. I think a lot of folks kind of go through the educational process and they think, you know, by the time I'm done with this or by the time I get my degree or by the time I take that next step after graduation, I will have it all figured out. And the truth is that's generally not the path. Generally, the path is you've got to kind of touch different things and, you know, to have different exposure to different concepts and professional aspects to really understand what your passion is. And so I think the takeaway I'd like to leave folks is to try to go find that passion. There's a host of different things you can kind of do to dig into that. But at the end of the day, you're going to know what it is when you find it. 
And finding it, I think, is the critical concept. Because if you can't find it, don't mean to sound cliche, but if you find your passion, your career is not going to be work. It's going to be fun. I think that's what we're all trying to obtain, right, is having fun at work. I think that is certainly exactly what we're all trying to get. We're all trying to get there on a daily basis right, for sure. Right. For sure. Well, I'm going to plant a seed with you yeah. to kind of conclude this conversation, Dennis. I'm going to be really curious about, for the conference, yeah. I'm going to be curious about asking you questions around system design, okay. specifically our system and how it integrates with the private sector. How are we building stronger, formalized programming, and really kind of digging deep to the barriers around that too, right? Like we have to be real. We can't have these, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, like the champions that you need, but let's also talk about like real barriers to this work and why it takes us so long to do it, you know? And then what's needed, what's needed to solve the barrier issue? Is it policy? Is it people? Is it money? You know, what is it? So I'm going to plant that seed with you if that's all right. Uh, it's been planted <laughs> and I'll be sure to make sure I'm ready to kind of Very talk good. through that. But I think I just to piggyback on that, I think it's all the things you mentioned. It's people, it's policy and politics, and it also is financial, right? I mean, that's always a challenge mm-hmm. with any kind of partnership. So we will dig into it deeper at the conference. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. And, you know, hopefully I think this was a productive, you know, conversation. Absolutely. The takeaway for today is find your passion. The takeaway for the panel will be find your passion. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And with that, we conclude this conversation, Dennis. This is really great. Yeah. It's been a lovely conversation. If a listener wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do it? And then we'll plop it into the show notes. Yeah. So LinkedIn is always an excellent way. Hopefully you guys can okay. show that link on the notes. Email is also a preferred method of communication. Email is my last name, which is Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, the initial D, the initial F, and then at bb.com. Very good. Thanks. We'll put that in the show notes. Look forward to seeing you again live in person on the 26th, October, here at Pasadena City College. We'll see you soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.